Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, I'm Grongy McGuire, and this is Chantelle Fiducci and Pate. Hello. We bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Hi Chantel. Hi Grania, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very excited about the Jubilee weekend. I haven't decided whether I'm going to enter into the spirit of it, like a Phileas Fogg observing all these strange English people, or whether I'll just use the time to like catch up on admin. Well, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be full swing. So <laughs> I... I urge our listeners to check into Grania's Instagram and just see what she's rocking. Because I'm sure any outfits you choose will immediately be going up. So <laughs> hopefully right now we're all looking at your Instagram and finding you dress head to toe in flags. or Oh my God. Any international listeners, uh, London right now is UKIP rally is central. It really is. It, England is England's yeah. really going through a moment. They really are going through it a moment. It really is. I mean, even Kim and Kim and Peter in town. They've come. They've come to visit us. They went to. Uh, they know about the jubilee. They had to be here for. It's that big of a party, guys. Kim and Pete have come. Oh my and god! They went to the River Cafe, which is an odd choice for me, being that it's not 1998 anymore. <laughs> I didn't know that was still seen as like a celeb hot spot. But um, that's where they went on their first night in London. So hopefully they're still here come Jubilee weekend. And then maybe that's what you'll see on Grania's Instagram, her hanging out with Pete. And I hear your voice is crackling there, Grania. Care to fill in to our listeners quite why the voice is sounding a bit weak this week? Well, so I was at a celebrity wedding. Toby and Hannah George of Drunk Women Solving Crime. It was wall-to-wall comedy A-listers on the Isle of Wight. I feel I feel very like I it turned me from Maeve Binchy to Marianne Faithful. So that's oh, why I sound the way good, that I sound. It's good. I like I'm into it. It's a sexy, sexy voice. I like it. Well, we do have the Jubilee weekend and it as a part of the, the British royalty theme, our mm. guest this week is British comedy royalty very true and the couple is kind of celeb romance royalty as well definitely well i mean not to give away too much too soon but we they're definitely well, I mean, a... the names in the in the title of the episode Bonnie, oh, they yes. know. <laughs> if they're listening they know they know who the couple is <laughs> when we recorded it i didn't know but they know they know who it is <laughs> we are so lucky to have the nation's princess the incredible 
Hollyburn. The way they were. Hi, Hollyburn. Hi, Holly. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Holly, we're a very romantic podcast. We're at heart dreamers. (laughs) Are you a romantic person? Definitely go with not. I think that would be fair. You know me, Grania. Does that would that? I don't know. I'm sure you've had a few. What's the most most romantic thing that's ever happened to you? <laughs> Is this it? Being on the podcast? Um, probably this. <laughs> Just talking about um, someone else's romance. Definitely, romantic things don't really happen to me. Really, they happen to you, Grania. They don't happen to me. Oh, I think that's fair. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't seek them out either, like somebody else. (laughs) They're not my, they're not my thing, are they really? Would you say you're in love with, with the city of London and comedy? Well, indeed, I'm very much the New York, I'm very much the Woody Allen to the New York of London. Yes, (laughs) indeed. That's a lovely, that's a lovely way of putting it. I don't so much about the comedy thing, but definitely the London thing. Yes. (laughs) In romance terms, I sort of favour the Beatrix Benedict sort of convention. It would be more the kind of um, angry, shouty uh, sort of thing rather than the sort of uh, rose-tinted, bespectacled Disney sort of thing. So maybe more pas- passionate. That's the way of putting it. Mm, no, she was just, just, just angry. Just, anger. just oh, a bit just... sort of uppity, really. You like a bit uh, of verbal and... jousting. A good neg. <laughs> yeah, that kind of affair. Yeah. So that doesn't really, in romance terms, that doesn't really speak, does it? You know. And how's that working out? <laughs> what? You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you flash your diamond ring at her as well while you're at it? <laughs> how's that working for you, Holly? <laughs> I mean, that was a very loaded question because she knows the answer to it. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get to your couple. So you've t- <laughs> and it also, it speaks of part of the reason I like this couple. Ooh, there's my first hint, guys. Okay, okay, it really does. It really, really does. Okay, so first of all, Chantal doesn't know your couple, so we're going to provide her with some hints. So first of all, this couple got together in the glamorous year of 1962. Okay. The sun is in the sky and London is about to start swinging, baby. 1962. Malin Monroe dies. Nelson Mandela <laughs> arrested. Speaking of romance. <laughs> and a little band called the Beatles are about to release their first single. But what else was happening? Well, who could be afraid of this iconic couple who shot... Ah, uh, Liz Taylor and Richard Burton. Uh... <laughs> Am I right? Yes. <laughs> you got me with a Virginia Woolf reference. I was in. <laughs> nice one. I think Grania. I think both of us have been waiting for this mm. for a while. This was this is one of the key couples that made this podcast a reality. I mean, I didn't I get why this had gone on so long without it. They're the well, our thoughts yeah. exactly, Holly. We're just waiting for you to come on. So yeah. this is gonna be great. Any you do have a lot to cover here. Anybody, any, yeah, anybody else had suggested this couple who wasn't you would have slapped them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> First 
of all, before we do a deep dive, we have to find out, but what about the star signs? Well, good question. Dame Elizabeth Taylor, February 27th, 27th, she's a Pisces. Richard Burton, 10th of November, Scorpio. Mm, The dreaded Scorpio. They're tricky. Scorpios are legendarily tricky. Now, according to the stars above, Holly, what percentage do you think their astrological charts give this match as being a success? 27%. 27% strong. Chantal, what do you think? Um, Is that strong? (laughs) It's like below 30. (laughs) I'm going to go uh, 85%. 85%. Well, according to the literal gods above, Scorpio and Pisces find it very important for emotions to be the most intense part of their sexual experiences. Oh, here we go. Scorpio, that's Richard Burton, doesn't care for romance, while Pisces, Liz Taylor, adores it. This can be unfortunate if Scorpio, Richard Burton, dismisses the emotional need of Pisces, yeah. Miss Taylor, to be satisfied and loved at the same time. Yet their compatibility is 70%. Oh, okay. So they, they're, in, they're in with a shot according to the stars. Okay. They are in with the stars. Okay, before we get to how this couple met, first of all, a little deep dive on this couple, so on, uh, on who they are individually. So I'm going to do Richard Burton first. Because there's slightly less we need to catch up yeah. on when it yeah. comes to Richard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Richard Burton was the twelfth child of thirteen children. Was he? That, that, that alone explains everything. <laughs> that, that, that explains it all. It does a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Completely neglected as a child. Go on. <laughs> on. So he came from a Welsh-speaking family of a miner and a barmaid. Now, he, this is how he described his dad to his biographer, Melvin Bragg. He said his dad was a 12 pints a day man who sometimes went off drinking and gambling sprees for weeks and he looked very much like me. And his mother died when he was two years old. Of course she did. Of course she did. <laughs> After a surprise, after 12 kids, I'd be throwing exactly. it in. You're going to get through that and mining town, you know, all that kind Not of that. thing. It was, it was always going to be that way. It was always, she, he was born into that drudgery. <laughs> he was never going to have like, he grew up in like a nice house in the suburbs and his dad no. was accountant. No, that's not romantic. <laughs> so his mother died when he was barely two, but he remembers her as having a beautiful face and a religious soul with fair hair. So oh. he was two years old, but he's got good memory. He doesn't remember that. He saw a picture. Go on. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elizabeth Taylor Here is born. Here she comes. So, Elizabeth Taylor, I mean, and I'm really going to have to go speedy through yeah. Liz's yeah, there's life. A lot. Bullet points, But please, guys. can we dedicate a solid 20 minutes to the jewellery? Thank you. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Sorry. And so, as you were. Her mother is a very pushy stage mother. Her mother really, really wants her to be famous. Her dad works in the art industry and, by all accounts, majorly gay. They grew up in London, but then she moves to LA. She's got stardom from a very early age. This studio organised her love life. Howard Hughes wanted to marry her and offered to pay her parents a six-figure sum of money if she would become his wife. Taylor describes herself as being emotionally immature and believed she could gain independence from her parents and MGM if she could get married. 
So she gets married very early when she's 18 to Nikki Hilton. Good choice. Good choice. MGM organised this huge big wedding. It's this big media event. Sadly, Nikki Hilton is an alcoholic. So the marriage lasts basically weeks and it's a divorce. Then Taylor marries her second husband, British actor Michael Wilding. So he's 20 years her senior and bisexual. Past boyfriends include Stuart Granger and Noel Coward. So they got married. He's 20 years her senior. It's quite a happy, happy marriage. They have two kids, but again, doesn't last long. They get divorced. Then Taylor meets her third husband, Film producer Mike Todd. They get married in Acapulco in 57. He oh, is Acapulco. Oh, I mean, getting married in Acapulco, Acapulco in 1952. Have you, been? Ha- have you been? Have you been? Have you been? Oh, I'm not a Beach Boy or Elizabeth Taylor, so no, I haven't uh, been. <laughs> uh, do you want to ask me if I've been? Have you been, Holly? Of course I've been to Acapulco. Of <laughs> course I've been to Acapulco. Side note, um, I went to the most incredible club of my life there. This was when I was about 18. I was teaching st- street kids in Mexico City. Went down to Acapulco for a weekend. I went to the this incredible nightclub where it was uh, you went through into a lighthouse a total lighthouse and you went out the other side of the lighthouse and you came into this massive dome i mean it was ginormous and i'm not exaggerating there were tanks all over the walls tanks filled with water with mermaids swimming in them oh. real life mermaids <laughs> that is what goes down in acapulco thank you as you were Oh, goodness. Taylor knew. (laughs) So Mike Todd is extra, extra, extra. He is, she's kind of met her a match in many ways with Mike Todd. He threw a birthday party in Madison Madison Square Garden, which was attended by 18,000 guests and was broadcast on television. (laughs) I mean, I like a party, but... (laughs) I mean, you once entered your birthday party being carried... Aloft by how many men? Just two, but I had that was my second costume change, wasn't it? So fair <laughs> enough. But but hang on, we've skipped over. I suppose we are having to skip over important bits of Debbie Reynolds. No, we haven't got to Debbie Reynolds yet. Oh, Mike sorry, Todd is still alive. Mike Todd is still sorry, alive. Sorry, 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 Karen. But not for long because he dies in a plane crash. So less than a year after him and Liz get married he dies in a plane crash and they crash. were really happy weren't they Mike Todd and her oh, well, the they're, only, they're only together Literally. for a year it's so funny like the way she talks about it it's like oh he was amazing he was incredible he was the best they just because they were only together for a year basically <laughs> yeah yeah he didn't have time to go off exactly so Liz is absolutely devastated who can she turn to in her hour of need maybe Mike Todd's best friend married to her best friend Eddie Fisher he's right there he is right there good old Eddie so Elizabeth Taylor and Eddie Fisher get together leaving poor Debbie Reynolds at home with two kids one of whom is Carrie Fisher and devastation very sad and this is like the biggest thing like Liz was just like the worst person in the whole world everybody was really mad at her so this is where we find her walking on with all this going on in her head onto the set of Cleopatra in 1962 but this isn't the first time that she met Richard Burton so I'm going to need a few actors for this so Holly I think you you can be Liz that's only right Chantal how are you at a Welsh accent Absolutely dreadful. This isn't the first time that they met. 
the first time they met was years earlier at a party at Gene Simmons and Stuart Granger's house. You may remember Stuart Granger. He used to go out with Liz's second husband. <laughs> second husband, yeah. He's come back in, yeah. I'd like a call back. Okay, so Chantel, this is how Richard in his diary describes seeing Liz for the first time. I'm not going to try and do a Welsh accent. A girl sitting on the other side of the pool lowered her book, took off her sunglasses and looked at me. She was so extraordinarily beautiful that I nearly laughed out loud. She was unquestioningly gorgeous. She was a dark, unyielding largesse. She was, in short, too bloody much. Ugh. It's the last line, too bloody much. (laughs) Too bloody much. Too bloody much. It just reminds you, shouldn't it, doesn't it? You shouldn't tone yourself down. Exactly. This is what you, this is what we expect of, the, of our we're men. Le- we're learning something here. <laughs> You've just got to find the right man who is prepared to go with the muchness. Exactly. Okay, so Holly, this was how Liz remembers that fateful moment. He was rather full of himself. I seem to remember that he never stopped talking and I had given him the cold fish eye. <laughs> So apparently she couldn't stand them. The cold Gee? fish eye. <laughs> the cold fish eye. I've got to start giving more men the cold fish eye. Yeah, it's a good technique, you see. I told you. Yeah. It's all about the angry fish eye. <laughs> you end up getting two marriages out of it, apparently. Let's go. Well, more than that. <laughs> so the first time she met him, she thought he was too full of himself, didn't like him, bugger off, not impressed. And then apparently on the set of Cleopatra, because he had such a reputation for sleeping with everybody, she was like, no, I'm not going to be another notch on his bedpost. No way, no way, not interested. So he was putting on the moves. She was not impressed. She's not into it. She's not into it. Then a weird thing happened that made her change her mind. He came onto set dying of a hangover. So apparently on the first day of of shooting together, Taylor found herself endeared by how painfully hung over Richard Burton was and he was so hung over he blew a line so she she got him a glass of water and she said I had to help it to his mouth and that just endeared me to him I thought well he really is human so vulnerable and sweet and shaky and terribly giggly oh the forest nightingale routine <laughs> wheels its ugly face once again that's interesting isn't it you wouldn't have thought that that would be a turn on really she found him vulnerable for once maybe he before that he was being all cocky now yes. he's all a little wounded vulnerable boy yeah he opened up his soft side to her so now she was mm-hmm. in well from that moment that was it sparks began flying apparently in their very first love scene in their first deep kiss in cleopatra's boudoir they repeated the kissing scene several times their kiss oh, lasting longer with each take Finally, the director shouted, print it, but the scene continued and he had to say, would you two mind if I say cut? And then he said, does it interest you that it's time for lunch? (laughs) (laughs) It's like teenagers just making out. Now to add just another level of excitement to this, they were on their own on this film set. They were with their respective husbands and wives. So poor Richard Burton's first wife, her name I is mean, it's audacious, Sybil Williams. Isn't it? She's oh, what, there. Wait, what, what's her name? Sybil Williams. He has Sybil, okay. He has three children with her. Oh, She's Sybil. there. And poor old Eddie Fisher is there. Oh. Apparently, at one point, 
Eddie Fisher rang home only to have Burton answer the phone. And when he said, what are you doing in my house? He said, what do you think I'm doing? I'm having sex with your wife. <laughs> Out of the way, Pete David said Burton got there first. He really, do you think that, re- do you think he really said that? It's more fun to think well, he I don't said know, it. like if he hadn't said, I don't know why Eddie Fisher, I mean, neither have come, have come out very well at it. These are a very extra couple. True, true. So obviously there's a lot of drama on the set of Cleopatra. Basically, everybody was having sex, fighting and threatening to overdose. So apparently Fisher, <laughs> oh, uh, Eddie Fisher overdosed. There was rumours that Burton's wife Sybil attempted suicide. Taylor also attempted suicide twice, once in Burton's presence. And another night she woke up to find... Fisher standing over her bed with a gun and he said, don't worry, Elizabeth, I'm not going to kill you. You're too beautiful. Oh, my goodness. The drama and scandal. This is great. (laughs) And by the way, we haven't even left the set. We haven't even got to the wedding yet. Yeah, they've only just got together. Jesus. Sorry. Okay, speed up, speed up. (laughs) Let's remember that it is Anthony and Cleopatra again, which is a very passionate play let's remember i did play um cleopatra once Lest we and, forget. um yeah and i don't want to talk about my anthony <laughs> it didn't end well anyway <laughs> <laughs> well so uh taylor and burton ended up uh they kept sneaking off to a rented villa when not filming drinking and uh, hanging out together and this is what liz says about this holly if you want to quote her when you get aroused playing Scrabble, that's love, baby. <laughs> when you get aroused playing Scrabble, that's love. <laughs> God, a time before portable televisions and the internet, just sitting around whiskey and Scrabble. So the scandal was huge, like absolutely huge. A US congressman tried to have Liz barred from re-entering the country and the Vatican accused both of them of erotic vagrancy oh i love it the vatican used to be so involved in some messy 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 this i swear catholicism would come back into trendiness if the vatican would start getting involved they talked about kim and pete they'd get it'd be a bigger deal (laughs) vatican is i don't know who their press agent is now but they're failing at their job (laughs) (laughs) The, the story was so big that when john glenn became the first human being to orbit the earth some front pages led with Taylor and Burton. And those are the editors that I like. They were right. That was bigger news. So, Holly, why do, what do you think? Why do you think it was just, like, so huge that these well, two... stars in those days were proper stars. These are huge stars of the silver screen, not of the small screen that we have now. These were proper that millions and millions watch these people nowadays everything's much more um it's all split up and all audiences are all smaller and nisha there was just one star and that was elizabeth taylor and she was a star <laughs> but why did you of like the richard highest burton? order what was it about richard burton that she was like oh my god i cannot have you looked at richard burton have you heard richard burton <laughs> Uh, there's a lot about going on about Richard Burton. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? They had chemistry, didn't they? And he is very beautiful. And what an actor he is, you see? And I don't want to get further down the line when we're talking about who's afraid and all that, Mm-mm. Maloney, but oh, goodness. 
Well, whatever it was that drew them together, Taylor finally got her divorce from Fisher. And 10 days later, in a private ceremony in Montreal, her and Burton were wed. And we all know that outfit, don't we? Mm. Iconic. Sybil, Richard Burton's first wife, never spoke to him again. What about the children? So I think he's, he carried on having a good relationship with the children. A good little nice story for Sybil. The next husband she got married to afterwards was 15 years younger than her. And, and did they stay together? They stayed together. Oh, so Sybil, Sybil did all right. Sybil was fine. Don't worry about Sybil. Sybil took Sybil's care okay. of Sybil. So here's just a list of some of the the things they did together. So they had a fleet of Rolls Royces, a jet, Paintings by Picasso, Monet, Van Gogh and Rembrandt, a horse farm in Wicklow, an estate in the Canary Islands, a villa in Mexico and houses in Gestad, Hampshire and France. They bought a seven bedroom yacht, but usually still chose to stay in hotel suites. They used to book out entire floors and they used to order room service from different countries. So if they were staying in the Ritz in Paris, they would order their breakfast from Fortnum and Mason in London. That's how you do it. (laughs) Yeah, but that, that's, how, that's how you get very cold food for every meal. That's how you stay thin. Yeah, that's <laughs> all, true. All the food you get has gone off by the time that's you get it. true. So just, diet keeps going. On one occasion, Taylor bought Burton a Van Gogh at Sotheby's, which apparently she lugged up the Dorchester elevator, kicked off her shoes and hammering a nail into the wall, hung the painting over Burton's fireplace herself. And that's how you work out. You see, this, this yes, is the guide of the workout of the rich people. That's how you do it. You don't need to lift weights when you can lift a Van Gogh. She was a practical gal. <laughs> she was. Burton said, I introduced Elizabeth to beer. She introduced me to Bulgari. Oh, nice. Here she just. Here she comes. And <laughs> um, apparently Elizabeth discovered that Onassis had presented... Jacqueline Kennedy with half a million pounds of rubies surrendered by diamonds. So keeping up with the Onassises became a mild obsession. Richard Burton said, now the battle of the rubies is on. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who'll win. It will be a long war and the idea has already been implanted that I shouldn't let myself be outdone by a bloody Greek. I can be just as vulgar as he can. Wow. All right. (laughs) Um, apparently, uh, well, not apparently, Burton presented Elizabeth with one of the most famous jewels in the world, the mm. Krupp diamond. Mm. And as the Krupp family had helped make German weaponry during World War II, Taylor gave this really quite funny quote about it. I always thought it was kind of poetic that a nice Jewish girl like me gets to wear it. <laughs> Very poetic, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, genuinely, I think one of the things I love the most about Elizabeth Taylor is she never took herself too seriously, did she? No. No! She was a good laugh! (laughs) She was also given the famed La Peregrina Pearl, which was once owned by Spanish royalty and Napoleon Bonaparte. After Burton gave her the pearl in a penthouse at Caesar's Palace... Elizabeth discovered that it had fallen off the chain around her neck. So she began to search for the pearl and out of the corner of her eye, she noticed her two Pekingese at their feeding bowl. One of them was apparently gnawing on a bone, which was odd because she never gave the puppies bones to chew on. (laughs) 
When she investigated, she shrieked with delight when she opened the puppy's mouth to find the La Peregrina inside and unscratched. Now that's a well-trained pooch. If they're finding your expensive pearls for you and keeping them safe in their precious little mouths. <laughs> I like these doggies. Uh, and then a famous like, so apparently Elizabeth Taylor and Princess Margaret had quite like a competitive relationship. Uh-huh. And when Elizabeth arrived with this famous crook diamond, Princess Margaret was like, oh God, it's a bit tacky. It's a bit tacky. It's a bit tacky. And then later on, Elizabeth went up to her and was like, do you want to try it on? And she was like, uh, Okay. And then when she tried it on, Elizabeth Taylor said, not so vulgar now, is it? (laughs) So as well as the diamonds, they had a very volcanic relationship. So they used to just enjoy winding each other up. Richard Burton said, we will often pitch a a battle purely for the exercise. I will accuse her of being ugly. She will accuse me of being a talentless son of a bitch. And this sort of frightens people but I love arguing with Elizabeth except when she's in the nude (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you see that's what I'm saying that's the anger and the the the, the Beatrice Benedict isn't it it's it's very Beatrice Benedict it is very Beatrice Benedict well and as well I think I think what she liked about it he didn't take her seriously at all so here's some of the things he said about her in print He said, the idea that she's the most beautiful woman in the world is absolute nonsense. She has wonderful eyes, but she also has a double chin, an overdeveloped chest, and she's rather short in the leg. Well, I agree with him. I've got a few things to say about that, which I share. Yeah. Looks wise, she was she wasn't she wasn't Ava Gardner. Sorry, guys. Sorry, deal with it. What? Deal with it. And he's oh, right. She had doughy faces. She did always have a bit of a double chin. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. No. I stayed with Richard. Uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is fascinating. This is fascinating because what I think is so good about her is that, as he said in the beginning, was she's she's a bit too much. What does he say? He's a bit too too a bit bloody too much. much. Too bloody much. And that's the whole thing about her. She's so excessive in everything. So she, yeah, she's got to. Carrying a few extra pounds. Well, for then she was, not for now. But, um, and that's what's fabulous about it. She does life to the full, to the max, and it shows. <laughs> but I think she's fabulous looking, no? The <laughs> eyes, the hair, the complexion, the jewels, the breasts. What more can you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, so they used to have like little nicknames for each other. So she used to apparently call him Old Shoot. <laughs> And oh, Charlie, old oh, shoot, and Charlie Charm, and he used to call her my little Jewish tart. That's great. <laughs> and twit twaddle, twit twaddle, twit twaddle, twit twaddle. <laughs> so everybody else would be like, "Oh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you're the most beautiful person in the world," and he'd be like, "Oh, twit twaddle." <laughs> Twi- but that's what but that's what you'd want isn't it though if he's going to be all that's what i'm saying that's for him being all nasty and angry it's kind of that's this is me. like a dream come true this is what i'm saying it? that's more romantic for me than being bought roses whatever <laughs> bought roses but then like smacked across the head with them oh yeah <laughs> get, get you so you get your eyes bleeding with the thorns and what about have you, you know about alvin talk to me about alvin Alvin was a parrot. Do you know about Alvin? No. 
So Alvin was like her best friend. And Alvin was, you know, the famous photograph from which I did take some uh, <laughs> inspiration for an Edinburgh shoot. Her photograph, photo, the famous photograph of her in the pool with the parrots. That's her parrot, Alvin. Oh, and at Alvin. one stage, she took Alvin on stage, was it Private Lives or something, to really piss Richard Burton off <laughs> because Alvin was talking. Is that, that right, Ronnie? I mean, there's only so much research you can do on, on Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Well, short of the parrot. The parrot was our best friend, so you know. <laughs> but anyone knows the secrets, Grania. <laughs> So apparently, so their, their relationship was very tumultuous. Apparently, one time during the filming of a 1973 TV movie that they were in together, Burton invited a bit player to his dressing room. Suddenly, Taylor jumped out from behind a sofa, brandishing a broken vodka bottle and chased the girl out of the room. <laughs> Where did she get the She's had the bottle waiting all the time, just in case, waiting for the right... That is the key. Always have a broken vodka bottle around. Just in case you get in a fight, you got to fucking show what's going on. I like the way she works. I like the idea of her just waiting. Just... Waiting for it. <laughs> That's excellent. So this was a key part of their relationship. They made over 11 projects together in their 10 years together. Like, they worked together. They were like... If any film, it was they came as a couple. That was it. Do you have a favorite, Holly? Well, who's returned to Virginia Woolf? It's the, it's the obvious one, but it's the it's the right it's the it's the right answer. How can you? That is it's the best one. That that film, and that is again they love each other, they hate each other, nobody else gets oh, them, they only oh, get the each other. Oh. <laughs> so much, <laughs> and of course, not forgetting the fact that really. He's only just looking for a mother figure for his whole life, isn't he? Exactly. From the moment she looked after him when he had that hangover. That's right. He saw those big naturals. It was was done. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Those kahunas, you know. Literally, he's like, feed me mommy. He was in. Those milk milk jugs were... (laughs) Exactly. And the thing is, so... In all, so Liz's life, she always had, because her dad was gay, she was always very, like, connected to gay men. They played a really important part. Oh. Like, you know, yeah. obviously, what's his name? Rock, Rock Hudson. No. Montgomery Clift. Oh, Montgomery, Montgomery Clift. Her Cliff. and Montgomery God, Clift. Oh, so they were oh. so close. They had, like, this crazy, intense relationship. Rock Hudson. James but the Rock Dean. Hudson thing was very, yeah, James yeah. Dean, of course. And yeah. so um, Richard Burton had had. Oh, giant, giant. What a film. Exactly. But Richard Burton had had gay relationships as well. So I think Mm. that's another reason why she was very drawn to him. Anyway. Of course. Things are rocky. Apparently, um, Burton's career is kind of tailoring off. He's getting sort of bitter about the film. Tailoring off. Tailoring Tailoring off. off. That's right. Uh, He he feels forced to, to, to take sort of roles that are sort of beneath them. Remember, he was supposed to be like the next Gil Good, the next great English actor, but he never... He's supposed to be the next Olivier, basically. The next Olivier, but he never really quite quite did. And then his insecurity made him vulnerable to flattery. So he used to basically cheat on Elizabeth a lot. <laughs> and he wrote... They always do. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, let me get this straight. Uh, uh, an insecure man in the arts, performer, 
um, was vulnerable to flattery. Uh, he was the one. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> he was the one. They don't make him like that anymore, do no, they? No, they do not. <laughs> vulnerable to flattery of women. Oh, and... wait, wait, God, no! You say that he had a bit of a like a fragile male ego, something like that. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? And That's... and the reason how in the how he dealt with it was by sleeping around with <laughs> sleeping around with different women, women who, who were right, his okay. wife. No, okay. God, unheard of. Jeez. Yeah, like, go it seems on. so weird. Okay, I know it sounds weird, then, but bear with me. It's I'm sure it's okay. some, some psychological. Just trust. I'm me. trusting this. This uh, this research is correct. But okay. <laughs> so he wrote Elizabeth a letter saying. I know I'm a terrible liar sometimes, but please believe that I have never betrayed either in word or deed the physical you or the mental you. Oh, God. And then it continues, <laughs> I simply love you too much. Oh. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. He says, I I'm just really messed up, man, but I love you so much. <laughs> he says i flatter and i'm flattered and both too easily it's only a question of booze i behave like an idiot i deserve all the injury that you can inflict and i will take it as long as you stay with me oh goodness this guy is, is he, was he just an actor or is he a comedian as well <laughs> right I, i'm beginning to wonder he must have a type five in there somewhere seriously and so, how did she take that well so uh June 1974, they get divorced. They get divorced. She's like, he's cheating too much. They're rowing all the time. Her career is kind of, isn't going anywhere. His career is sort of stalling. Now, this is genuinely, I, I'm going to just do bullet points because it's so mad. Just let me finish and then I will take questions. June 74, they divorce. Burton continues to write to her, sometimes daily, pouring out his heart Vowing to love her forever, he says in a letter, you have an enormous responsibility because if you leave me, I shall have to kill myself. I'm afraid. Okay, so remember, he's writing to her daily. In this time, he also manages to have an affair with an 18-year-old waitress, <laughs> a mother of three whose husband threatens to shoot him, and was briefly <laughs> caged to Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia. So all this is going on. He's still managing uh, to, to send his guy, letters. Eh? He's, still, he's, he's good suffering. at admin. He is good at admin. He is. <laughs> so then Elizabeth has a cancer scare. So she rings him up. He comes over to be with her. Then she finds out she doesn't have cancer. And they are both just so euphoric that he goes down on one knee and proposes. Of course. They're back together. Back together, baby. How many years have passed? Between the divorce and this? Um, None. About a year. All right. So they get married. They're back together. But Richard's career is still floundering. A few months, a few months into the second marriage, he meets Susie Hunt. Now, Susie Hunt is a model. She's tall. She's blonde. She's sporty. She's basically the exact opposite Opposite of Liz. Liz Taylor. And... So then that's it. He divorces Liz. They finally split up. And within a month, he is married to her. Bloody hell, Richard. So that- and really, we, we, we all mock Elizabeth Taylor, don't we? Because of her eight marriages or whatever. But really, you know, he was a scoundrel. 
He was a scoundrel. <laughs> and I don't mock her for her eight marriages. I love a multiple marriage. I'm, I'm very I'm very into it. My parents have seven between them and good on them. <laughs> good on them. Really? <laughs> and why not, I say. Wow. <laughs> I just think it shows such like vulnerability to just be like, I'm going to give it a go again. I think good for them. People yeah. just like give up Amazing. and just lose hope. I think it's brilliant. And I don't believe in the sanctity of marriage. I don't give, I don't care about any of that And crap, are, they, so. are your parents still with, are they still married? Not to each well, other. Well, my mother is no longer with us, but she was married when she died. But oh, she did famously always refer to my stepfather as her current husband, just to keep him on his toes. <laughs> very Elizabeth Taylor, though. You know, yeah, oh, she was very, very that vibe. Yeah. Right. Holly, considering how obsessed the pair were with each other and, you know, how intense and, you know, why do you think, why do you think it couldn't last? What, why do you think, what do you think well, happened? She, she was, she was too bloody much. Uh, she was too bloody much. He loved her too much to stay. That with was her. Chekhov's gun right at the start. Yeah. <laughs> Chekhov's boner right there at the That's start. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> she um, there was just it was just too much, wasn't it? They were just drunk on each other, and you know when you're drunk all all the time on whatever it is, it all has to go somewhere. As soon as you sober it? up, you start yes, realizing. Yes. Yes. Did he, was he with the girl after with Elizabeth? Did well, he stick with so, her? Okay, so they're not quite done with each other yet. Not quite done with each other yet. So, and it's kind of weird because they both kind of immediately after each other, their next relationship is kind of in reaction to each other. So he gets together with this like blonde, blonde leggy. sporty girl, blah, blah, blah. She gets married very soon afterwards to John Warner, a Republican politician from Virginia. Oh, wow. I so do she, like that as a vibe, though. Yeah. Do <laughs> you? <laughs> I'll stick with Burton, thanks. I like the idea of just going with the exact polar opposite and going yeah. to the governor from Virginia. <laughs> so she throws herself into sort of, you know, early 80s Republican <clears throat> drag. Great hair, great makeup. Yeah. But wasn't that when she went and she went and she lived in the middle of nowhere and she just ate all day? <laughs> yes. She literally just would. ate all day. Would. Yeah. <laughs> so at the start, I think she liked the novelty and then she was so bored. She was so bored. She, she needed the drama. She needed the drama. She needed the disco. She needed to get out of Virginia. So she needed the gaze. There was no gaze in Virginia. The gaze. She needed the gaze. <laughs> Studio 54 was happening. She needed to get out of there. So they split up in 1982. Then less than a year later, ring, ring. She gives just Richard right. a phone call, says, hey, remember, she's just newly divorced. Richard is also now single. She says, hey, Richard, why don't we do a revival of Noel Coward's Private Lives? A play about a divorced couple who get back together. Mm. So she no has got on a- her. Flies <laughs> <No laughs> on her. She has basically got a plan. She's now single. He's still single. You you do the math. One flying the ointment on a week during the run, on a weekend, a long weekend. Richard Burton comes back with a little bit of news. He's just got married. <laughs> during the run, Classic. he gets married to his fourth wife. Sally Hay. And weirdly enough, almost as soon as he gets married to Sally Hay, Elizabeth Taylor loses all interest in this play. <laughs> <laughs> and is that, is that when she brings out Alvin? 
Yeah, it seems to be that way. Seriously, if I was a girl back then and I fancied Richard Burton, I would just get him back together with Elizabeth Taylor because I know that he would cheat on her yeah, with me eventually. Exactly. <laughs> he just can't help himself. I mean, seriously. So she is so fed up. So this is 83. Now, really sadly, less than a year later, after a night of heavy boozing with, and this is where this is his second appearance on the podcast, a night out boozing with John Hurt. Oh, he's back. Richard Burton suffers a hemorrhage and dies in Switzerland. Was that just a year after Private Lives? It was just a year after Private Lives. Now, he had been living a hard life. Apparently, he used to, in the 70s, he was knocking back three to four bottles of hard liquor a day. And apparently he used to smoke 100 cigarettes a day. How old was he when he died? So he was 58 when he died. Oh. He lived it to the fullest though, guys. He, and you know what? Days. And she said, they said, she, he was the love of her life. Well, so we're going to get to that because there's one last twist in the tale. Because, okay, there's two different versions of what happened the night before he died. Ooh, okay, two okay. different versions. Ooh. Now, the Sally Hayes version or there's Elizabeth Taylor's version. Okay. Now, I think we can decide whose version we're going to believe. Well, and there's, okay, also, you're forgetting there's, there's also the other version, the truth. <laughs> what actually happened. <laughs> truth is subjective. And I think we can all, we're all team Liz. So I think yeah. we, we're all going to agree. So... This, what I'm going to about to tell you, Sally Hay, who very much like was kind of like really fed up because, because she was only married to Richard Burton for a year, Liz kind of never took her seriously. She was like, this is, so this is how threatened she was by Elizabeth Taylor. Richard Burton and Taylor had discussed being buried together. So just not to take any chances, Sally purchased the plot next to Burton's grave and erected a large headstone across both oh that would piss me off (laughs) so apparently sally hay says what liz says happened cannot have happened because he was so ill it would have been physically impossible for him to do but according to liz the (laughs) night before he died he wrote her a letter saying elizabeth i've made a big mistake i want to get back together I'm with Liz. I'm with Liz. Team Liz all the way. That definitely happened. Does she have the dying words? Does she have the letter? Uh, Keep a note that the letter will come back. The letter will come back. So she tells everybody. Even in death. Even in death. How did he post it? How did he get the stamp on it? How did this work? The night before he died, he got up at his little writing desk and sent a letter to Liz. I believe it. Okay, so I'm going to... This is Liz talking about Richard. In my heart, I will always believe we would have been married a third and final time. From those first moments in Rome, we were always madly and powerfully in love. After Richard, the men in my life were just there to hold the coat, to open the door. All the men after Richard were really just company. So that was it. What a way of putting it, didn't what she? What a way of putting it, God. Oh, well, yeah. We were just... Company. Just holding the coat, opening the door. Open the door, hold the coat, buy me jewels. That's all you're there. As I look off wistfully into the distance about what could have been. I think I smell some coal. Oh, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) So then she finds it's not quite over for Liz. So she meets her seventh and last husband, the construction worker, Larry Fratensky, at the Betty Ford Clinic. In 88, they're married in 1991 at the Neverland Ranch. 
they have a really good relationship together. They they get on really, really well. But then she blames, eventually split up. She blames it on her painful hip operations and her obsessive compulsive disorder. Of course she does. I mean, that, is this, isn't there a big age gap there? Wasn't he no, a lot he younger? Big, he is it a was lot per, younger. It was, it's like a Percy and Joe, Joe Collins Joe affair, Collins. isn't it? Yeah. So, but it's a very amicable divorce. Mm-hmm. Years later, Fortensky undergoes a brain surgery after falling off a balcony, is comatose for six weeks. Taylor immediately notifies the hospital she will pay for all his medical expenses. And in 2010, she writes him a letter that read, Larry, darling, you will always be a big part of my heart. I love you forever. Oh, yes, lovely. <laughs> yeah. He was it's just t- company, really, wasn't he? Just company, he was just, just company. company. Just holding the door open. Also, the la- one of the last people to try and win a place in Liz's heart was my cousin. Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Your cousin? My cousin, Colin Farrell. When his son was born, oh, yeah. he went. He was in hospital and it was she was in hospitals for one of her operations. So he just wanders in. Starts chatting to her and not in a, like he talks about it in a real earnest way. He was like, I, she was incredible. Like, I couldn't stop thinking about her. We started ringing each other up. I would ring her because we were both insomniacs. Apparently, they would talk like long into the night. And he was like, it was genuinely a romantic relationship. I think she was an absolutely incredible woman. So he was, I believe it. He was smitten. So, Hang on a minute. They didn't have a romantic relationship, though. No, he considers it a romantic Maybe relationship. Maybe not a physical relationship, yeah. I think is what Holly means. But, they, but yeah. it's still romantic. I wrote, he didn't throw... You're right. According to Holly, it wasn't romantic. He didn't chuck anything at her. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't argue constantly. He was nice to her. They didn't slam the phone down on each other every time they had a phone call. <laughs> but sadly for Colin Farrell, it was too late because in 20... 11 at the age of 89 Liz Taylor passes away and two lovely details about her funeral as her request her ceremony began 15 minutes behind schedule yes (laughs) she wanted to be late for her own funeral Mm -hmm. and the second lovely detail is that she insisted that she be buried with the letter that Richard Burton definitely sent to her the night before he died. <laughs> so no one can ever prove the handwriting. Good for her. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. But then was she not buried with Richard as per their original? She couldn't desire? because his bloody, bloody Kelly got in the wife. Way. Yeah. Grave. This annoying wife. Like we all hate this poor wife. And we are all left with her her um, best-selling perfume, white diamonds. White diamonds mm-hmm. and the big. Yeah, I remember white and the adverse with the Vaseline lens. Ronya bought me a bottle of white diamonds. Nothing wrong with it. Best perfume. That enters the room before you do white diamonds, doesn't it? <laughs> you wear that perfume. People, everyone knows. People about know. It. People know. Oh when yeah. You're in the room with that stuff. On. Oh yeah. White diamond perfume is so strong it will open the door for you. <laughs> it, it's literally it's the company. <laughs> it keeps company. Need. Yeah, it keeps your company. <laughs> so Holly, we have to ask. In every split, there is a winner. There is a loser. So, in the great breakup between Elizabeth Taylor, Dame Elizabeth Taylor. And Richard Burton, after they split, who thrived and who simply survived? Elizabeth Taylor survives every time. Are you saying she's the winner of the split? Yeah, who won the split? Who won the split? She won the split. Okay, go, go. She won. No, she won the split. Yeah. He drunk himself to death, didn't he? (laughs) I mean, basically, she's not wrong. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. She she, and she lived to, you know, she wasn't that. She was in the eight, early 80s, I think, wasn't she? Yeah, 89. She, oh, yeah, 89. She like another 40 years. And she'd had a lot of medical problems. That's just, you know, she'd had a lot. She, she was, she, she had quite a few medical problems when she was a lot younger. Mm-hmm. And she kept going. Drama. She kept yeah, going. Yeah, she thrived. She did. She thrived on the drama, and she kept it up to the to the last minute. What a woman! Um, I'm gonna finish. I know we're over running with my one of my favorite Elizabeth Taylor stories is. Um, bear in mind, she was in her maybe at least her mid fifties at this stage. She was friends with Henry Kissinger. I think this might have been at the start of her enter into all oh, world politics. You know, her new husband. Mm-hmm. She was really worried about what was happening in the Middle East and the situation in Libya. So she rang up her friend, Henry Kissinger, and said, I thought of a solution to sort out the situation. I am willing to offer my body sexually to Colonel Gaddafi. I mean, did Henry pass on the offer to Gaddafi? Because if so, that could have made, we could be living in a different world right now. I mean, now. you laugh, but like... That's a genuine. That's a genuine peace process. That, that's no. altruism. If Mother Teresa had that's done a thing talk. like this, then perhaps things would be different. <laughs> I mean, that's that's sanctions. That's, you know, that's they like... say charity starts at home. That's home. Mm, yeah, good for her. Good for you, Liz. She's and principled. <laughs> so, speaking of icons, we have one final question before we say goodbye. We have a certain lady out there. Icon is icon as well as up there with Elizabeth Taylor, I would say, and she is single at the moment. We're not saying that she needs someone, simply that she deserves someone. So put your thinking cap on. Can you think of anyone, male or female, gender is not the issue here, taken or not taken, doesn't matter. Anyone up to the level of share? Oh, oh, it's share. She hasn't got a surname. She like, how can a man be with her? She's got no. She's she's a. She, she's a we think she deserves to be loved. Yeah. Maybe she's got a wedding coming up. She doesn't want to sit by herself. She's fine, but she decides she fancies um, a change. Who? She needs some company. Yeah. Um, oh man, that's hard. Go with your instinct. That's always people always just put yeah, everything. Always, always go with yeah. your gut. The only person I can think of on her level is Dolly Parton. Oh, oh, that's a good one. I think they'd be a fun couple. Imagine yeah, the duet. Yeah. Oh, oh, Holly, that's a really good one. But I, like I love, that a lot. I love, I love Dolly Parton's relationship with her husband. Uh, have you heard of a little thing called a thruple? <laughs> <laughs> it's twenty twenty two. I feel like, I feel like I love the fact that they've done their time and that they've they've gone, and we don't even know what he looks like. Exactly, I agree, I agree. But maybe Cher can find out. Yeah. If you do detective work. I like that. That's a really good one. Yeah. Cher and Dolly. Oh, they're celebrity portmanteau be Sholly or Dare. <laughs> <laughs> dare and you come watch them together. I love it. <laughs> oh, what about we what about she just goes a lot younger and goes mm. okay. But I think you've done it with Dolly Parton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holly, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Where can our listeners find you? Oh, well, they can find me on all social media platforms at Hollyburn Comedy. They can find me at www.hollyburn.org.uk. They can find me on, I was in that canoe show on ITV, wasn't I? That'll be on catch up. They can join my newsletter and hear what all I'm up to. I'll be releasing a pilot. I think that's right. What did he do? Why are you only letting them out now? (laughs) There she is, gang. 
my god. She's, she's more than she does she can do more than just research, guys. That's Grania. There you go. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks so much to Audio Boom for hosting and thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they, they were. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.